We're going to start a series called Love My Church, and uh, we're going to talk about our church. Now, when I say our church, I mean Calvary Assembly, but what does that mean? Is that the building? No. The church is us. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And so, how many of you guys have ever been lost? (laughs) I'm not talking lost spiritually. We were all there. But I mean lost physically, like you didn't know where you were going. You ever been there? I remember one time we did a mission trip right after we came to the church to Dearborn. Several of you in here were on that trip to Michigan. And on the way back, we were coming back, and our GPS took us on this route through Chicago, and the road literally ended. We were on a highway. I don't know if you guys remember that. The road stopped. Like, it just ended. And I said, I don't think we're supposed to be here. And it rerouted us, and we went through the hood, like <laughs> the bad part of Chicago. And I said, everybody lock the doors, you know, keep your heads down. Uh, we were lost. I mean, totally. We were at the mercy of the GPS, and it got us through there. But some people in the van were like, Pastor. I said, I know. <laughs> don't, don't make eye contact. Keep your head down, you know. Um, so, but we made it. But we realized we were totally at the mercy of that GPS. And if you've ever been there, being lost is a pretty scary thing. It's pretty frightening if you don't know where you're going. But you know what's also kind of frightening? When we forget where we've been. It's important to know where we're going. It's also important to know where we've been, right? And so these next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about who we are as a church, who Calvary is as a church body, what's important to us, what are our values, and where are we going? Where are we going? And it's important to know those things. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul's talking to Timothy, who was his protege. Paul was mentoring Timothy to be a pastor. And look at what he, he gives him some charges and talks about preaching the word and being ready. And then verse 16, he says, all scripture is inspired by God. Some translations say God breathed and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do what? Every good work. The word prepares us. It challenges us. So guys, we have to build on the word, right? We have to build our lives on the word. We have to build our church on the word. We have to do what we're doing. So Calvary Assembly, guys, is in our 85th year. This is our 85th year of existence as a church. That's pretty good, right? That's exciting. (laughs) It's been around. The church actually started in 1936, and uh, it moved to um, 11th and trying to think what the street was. Right down here. And then it moved over to the camp for a while, and then they purchased this property in 1976, and then got the fellowship hall, moved it across there, and then some of you are here when they moved it over and attached it. And uh, so the church has been through some pretty amazing things. But the one thing the church, this church, Calvary Assembly, has always done has been based on what? The Word and missions, right? That's who we are as a church family. And so we have to understand what our purpose is. Where are we going? Because if we don't know where we're going, we're just kind of wandering, right? Yeah. And that's easy to do. Guys, it is so easy for churches just to exist. It's so easy for us to just to do services and take offerings and do the things we do. But if we don't know why we're doing it, it's really easy to drift. They call it mission drift. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're just going to do the things that are easy. And it's so important for us to know, and especially in these days, because so many congregations are splitting So many movements are splitting because we sometimes we lack purpose. 
We lack direction. So it's important for us to know where we're going, why we do the things we do. So today we're going to really talk about our purpose. And then the next few weeks, we're going to talk about our values. What are important to us? Obviously, missions is huge to us, right? As a church, as you can see on the sides and on the back, it's important for us. It was really cool this week. We had a, a son of a former pastor was here, a grandson, I think, of a former pastor was here. And uh, he called. He was having lunch with Miss Ella. He said, hey, can I see the church? And I said, sure. So he came, and he's like, man, I remember when this was here and this was here. And he said, it's so good to see that we're still here. We're still doing what we're doing. He grew up in this building, and then it was neat. His kid said, hey, I've got the shirt with that Speed the Light logo on it. So it was kind of cool. But he was excited to see that what they had done was still going on. Uh, so we're going to talk about missions. We're going to talk about generosity. We're going to talk about next generation. All these things are important to us as a church. So really, what is our purpose? Why are we here? Why is this building in its 85th? Why is this building here? Why is the congregation in its 85th year? Well, making disciples, guys, is our purpose. Making disciples is what we do. It's why we're here. And where is that in Scripture? Well, I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 28. Most of you can quote this. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus is getting ready to leave. He is risen from the dead. He's resurrected. And he is giving his disciples his last orders. And he said, he came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, what? Go and make disciples. Thank you. Of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you. And be sure of this, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. So making disciples, guys, is our purpose. That's why we are here. That's why we exist, because that's what Jesus told us to do. Now, what's the difference between making a convert and making a disciple? Making a convert is just somebody saying, yeah, I, I want to follow Jesus. A disciple is somebody who actually follows Jesus. I'm sorry, I went out, I preached at the chapel of the lake this morning, and when I went, I was going to stop and get a coffee, and scooters was all backed up. So I didn't have any, so on the way back, I grabbed one of those little cans of the nitro coffee. My heart's racing a little bit, so I may go a little fast, so <laughs> just wave and slow me down if I do. I apologize for that. Nitro cold brew is really good, though. Um, so our, pur- yeah, squirrel, our purpose at Calvary, the what. So guys, I want to break this down. The purpose is the what. Why, what do we do? What are we here for? Is to create opportunities to encounter Christ and experience life change. What we want people to do in this building and through our lives is to encounter Christ and experience the life change. And all of us that have encountered Christ can say, yeah, my life is different. I can point to what I used to be, and I can tell you what I am now, and I'm different. That's what we want for people. We want people to come to this place and encounter Jesus and experience that life change. Guys, that's why we do everything that we do. That's why we do VBS, Vacation Bible School, to get kids in here to encounter Jesus. That's why we do encounters, men's and women's encounters. That's why we do all the different stuff that we do. We do it so people can come and experience life change. And guys, when we do these potlucks, yeah, they're for fun. They're for fellowship. But there are also people who will come and eat a meal that won't come to a service. And that's just fine. That's why we're going to go and give coffee to all these bikers. We've got a huge sign that says, Honor Bound Motorcycle Ministry, free coffee right? We want them to know that Jesus loves them. And one way we can show them that is, hey, here's some caffeine before you go ride. 
And we bought good coffee. We bought Black Rifle coffee because we want it to be good quality for them. So we want that. That's what we do. Our mission, the why, why do we do that? Why do we want people to encounter Jesus? Is to reach out to the unchurched of central Nebraska and help them become mature, lifelong followers of Jesus. Because that is exactly what Jesus told us to do, right? He said, go. Actually, that word go that Jesus says kind of means as you are going, like as you're out doing those things, you go and make disciples and teach them to obey that. And why do we say the unchurched? We love people that go to church, but if they go to church, they should already know Jesus, right? We want to find the ones who don't know Jesus and bring them in and help them become followers of Jesus. That's why we do that from the Great Commission and the how. How do we do this? How does our church do this? We engage our community, we invest in families, and we equip believers for service. All right? So that's what we want to do. We engage our community. That means we go out and we do stuff. Vacation Bible school, right? We do those things. That's why we go to the schools and we take them coffee pots and Bibles, right? That's why we give shoes away. We want to do those things because we want to engage the people around us. And we invest in families. That's why we do youth services, kids' services, Women's Bible study, men's Bible study, all the stuff that we do is to do these things. Our method, the reason we do it, and we equip believers, we pour into lives. So guys, that's why we're here. If you ever say, somebody says, why do you go to church? Well, for these things. (laughs) This is why we do it. Why is this church building here? Because of these things. That's why I do it. Why is this church family here? That's why. So what are we built on? What's our church built on? What is the Assemblies of God built on? Well, the Bible is our foundation, right? The Bible is our foundation. The Bible is what tells us to do those things. And guys, there are people out there who don't like us. There are people out there who don't like me because we do this. They don't like what we tell them. Because we have to say, I love you, but what you're doing is not right. I love you. You're welcome. We want you here, but you can't live that way and expect Jesus to bless it, right? I have people want to do premarital counseling, and I tell them, you can't have sex until you're married. And they say, what? Say, well, if you want God to bless your marriage, you've got to do it his way, right? They get upset about that. We have to, but we do it in love. So we value teaching the whole gospel as a church. We value teaching the whole gospel. Now, please understand, I'm not saying other churches do not. I am not criticizing any other church, any other denomination. I'm saying this is what the Assemblies of God was built on. When we were built as a movement in 1917, I believe it was, 1912, one of those two, they said we want to be the biggest mission-sending organization in history. They said we want to send people to the mission field, and we're going to teach everything that's in this Bible. So we want that. We're not saying other churches don't, but we're saying this is what we're going to do. That means we're going to teach the good, fun parts and we're going to preach the hard parts, right? We're going, to, we're going to talk about love and fuzzies and squirrels and all those good things, right? But we're also going to talk about the hard stuff, about sin, about living the way Jesus taught us to live, because we value that. We want that. We're going to talk about sin and grace. We're going to talk about judgment and forgiveness. We're going to talk about all that stuff, because that's what Jesus did, right? And we value biblical literacy. What does that mean? We want you to know what's in here. As a church, it's important to know what's in this, right? It's important. We value that. Individually and as a church family, we do that. Guys, that's why we do Bible studies. This is important to know what's in here. 
That's why we do the Bible Engagement Project. That's why everybody has access to that, to do devotions with it every day, because we want our people to know the Word. That's why I give handouts with the messages, with all those notes in there, because I want you to find if I make a mistake. I want you to tell me, and they do. I had one day, I made a typo, and I didn't catch it until after, so I told teenagers, hey, if you find this, I'll buy you something at the snack bar. I think I had three. (laughs) Two I didn't even know about. And so they caught it. And so that's good, but we want people to know what's being taught. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11 and 12, Luke is writing about the people of Berea. It was a community. He said, they were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if what Paul and Silas were teaching was the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. So he said, it was important. They valued that. We want to know that what you're teaching is true. And guys, if I ever say something that's not right, please come talk to me. Leave your pitchfork at home, but come talk to me. Like, I don't want to get strung up. But come talk to me. Ask me, hey, what does that mean? What does this mean? When it says they examine the scriptures, it comes from a word that means to test or to investigate. So it's very important that we know God and we know his word. Because when you start to know the word, you start to know what's right and wrong. And I've told you this a million times, but I used to work in retail. And they wouldn't tell us, this is what a, a fake bill or counterfeit bill looks like. They said, you'll know it when you see it. And why is that? Because you see the real stuff so often, when you catch a fake, it's like, well, that's not right. That doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. And we had a play going through our town one time where people were doing counterfeit 20s. And a lot of people caught it because they said, this is, isn't right. There's something off about this bill. And so when you know the word and when someone comes up and says, hey, did you hear this new thing? And you say, yeah, I don't think that sounds right. I don't, I don't think there's, I think something in that is off. That's what we want to know. And we value systemic discipleship, systematic discipleship. What does that mean? We value teaching the Bible. We value Sunday school classes. That's why we still do it. Because it's what? It's important. It's important for us to know the word. And it's also important to have that time of fellowship together, that time of praying for each other, and the time for sharing our lives together. It's important. That's why we do small groups, life groups during the spring and the fall. It's important to have that time together to study the Word. That's why, we, that's why Don taught Revelation for like 12 years. I think it was like eight, honestly. Why is that? Because it's important to go through the Word and see what it says, Right? That's important to know that stuff. That's why I went through James before that. It's important to know the word. That's why once a year, we try to teach through a book of the Bible. <laughs> We've been in Matthew for like eight years, I think. But we're going through it because it's important to know what the word says. All right? It's important. That's why we have women's Bible study, men's Bible studies, all those different things. So the, we're based on the Bible as a church family. That's what our lives are built on. And then Christ is our authority. Christ is the authority. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul says, There's one thing I want you to know. That every, the head of every man is Christ, the head of a woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. When he says head, he means the source. Christ is our source. And if you have your Bibles, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Or if you have the Version app, or the Bible Engagement app, has it in there as well. Ephesians chapter 4.
This is so important. In verse 15, Paul says this. Back up to verse 14. It says, We will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Christ is the head of the body. And this is, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So Christ is our authority. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? That's a nice thing to say. But what does that mean? Well, it means we value Christ as the head of the church, as the source. Paul said Christ is the source, right? And what does that mean, or the head? Well, back in those days, they didn't know that your heart was really kind of the center of you, right? Because when a kid was born, what does a baby look like? Great big head, little bitty body, right? So when they looked at that head, they said, whoa, everything must flow from the what? The head, right? So when they say Christ is the head of the church, that means he's the authority. He's the one who gives life to the church. He's the one that sustains the church, right? And we said man is the head of woman. He's not saying man is over woman. He's saying man is supposed to support the wife, to give his life for her. So we value Christ as the head, as the source. That means this is his thing. The church belongs to Jesus. We belong to Jesus, right? He says he's going to build his church. So he's the one who gives us strength. He's the one who orders us and gives us direction. And we value him as the final authority. Our authority is in him. That means I can't say, you know, church, I think it's good for men to have two wives, and we're just going to go that way. That would be insane, right? It's not a good thing. Because Jesus says a man has to be the husband of one wife. He is the authority. He's the one we trust. We value him. And what I love about our movement, the Assemblies of God, is we're not a denomination. We are a cooperative fellowship. They just had to take a test on that. Cooperative fellowship. That means we cooperatively fellowship with the Assemblies of God. That means if they start teaching something wacky, we can get out. Because Christ is our source. John MacArthur tells the story of a reformer, one of the men who were in the Reformation movement. In July 6th, just two days from now, 1415, a Croatian priest named John Huss was taken to the cathedral in Prague. He was stripped of his priestly garments, and he was beaten and tied to a stake, and then he was burned alive. And they were so mad at this guy that they took his ashes and shoveled them into the ocean so nobody could collect it. What did he do that made him so mad? He told them that Christ was the authority over the religious leaders, and they didn't like that. They wanted to be in charge, and he said, no, Jesus is the one who's in charge. And, you know, you think, well, that's just a given. It's not. Because there are so many of us who want to be our own king, right? We want to be our own authority. That's the biggest problem because sin tells us we're in charge, and the Bible says, no, Jesus is. And so we have to submit ourselves as individuals to Christ. We have to submit ourselves as a church family to Christ. But it starts with us. I have to make him the Lord of my life. And that means I have to do that ahead of time. That means I have to say, you know what, Jesus, you're going to be in charge of every part of my life. Because when I'm tested, when I'm tempted, I want to be the king, right? But if I've already said, no, you're it. You're, the, you're in control. That makes it a lot easier. So we value him as the center of our church. And we value him as the center of our lives. 
One of my professors one time said his daughter, he had a teenage daughter, she went to spend the night with a friend of hers, and they went to church the next morning. And so when she came home, he kind of quizzed her, you know, hey, hey, what was her church like? Was it, what did they do here? And they said, did they talk about Jesus at all? And she stopped and said, you know, I don't think they did. And he said, huh. <laughs> but then he challenged us. He said, how many times do we go through a service and not even talk about Jesus? He's the center of this thing. He's the one we're supposed to be talking about, right? So we need to make sure that our lives are centered around him and our church family is centered around him, not our own ideas. And so we want Christ to be the center of our church. We also want him to be the center of our lives. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and then he'll give, every, give you everything that you need. So when we put him first, everything else is going to fall into place, right? And I'll be honest, this weekend we, we went to help with the teenagers at Worlds of Fun, and I realized I am not as young as I used to be. I was a youth pastor for a long time. I got home and I crashed. I was like 9.30. I was asleep, I think. But I remember we were riding roller coasters. We talked these kids into getting on the roller coasters with us. And I always have this moral dilemma when I ride a roller coaster because I love it. But then I think, if I die on this thing, how am I going to explain that to Jesus? Like, I gave you this life and then you put it on a piece of metal designed by the lowest bidder. You know, I don't understand that. <laughs> so every time I go up the hill, I'm always kind of saying the Lord's Prayer, you know, and quoting Psalm 23, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me, you're with me, because I'm always, you know, I'm not afraid of dying, but I'm afraid of the fall to get to death, that's what scares me, yeah, it would be a pretty fast fall, about 70 miles an hour, but it's pretty fun, but then I always think, man, what am I doing with this life that Jesus gave me, it kind of gives me time to reflect as we're going up that creepy incline, right, and so, but guys, in our lives, are we making Jesus the center in our own lives? Are we making Jesus the authority? Are we saying, you're above all my ideas? You're above all that. So lastly, we talk about love is our motive. Love is what motivates us to do these things that we do. Guys, we serve people in our community because we love them. And we love them because Christ loves them. We talked about this last week in Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus says, Whatever you did for the least of one of these, you did for me, right? That's why we do things. Guys, I know Vacation Bible School is a lot of work. I know Amber's put tons of hours into this. Amy's put tons of hours into this. The, the team that was here Saturday spent a long time decorating. Why do we do all this stuff? Why do we spend all this money and buy all these decorations and buy snacks and meals and all these things? Why? Because we love our community. And there are so many people that are sending their kids to VBS because they love them, because it's a couple hours away from the kids, right? And they get an opportunity, but also because we get to pour into this next generation because we love them, right? That's why we do these things. That's why we have volunteers here every night of the week during VBS, and it wears everybody out. But Jesus said, when you love these little kids, you're loving me. That's why our church gives every month into the emergency fund here in town to help those, because we love them, because Jesus says, when you do something for these, you're doing it for me right? That's why. So guys, every month our church gives to the community fund. Every year we, we help with the fundraisers. That's why we do these kind of things, guys. And we don't put big banners up and say, hey, look at this. We did this. Because we don't need the credit. We do it because we love them. That's why we do the shoe giveaways. Our church has partnered with Convoy of Hope. We've given free shoes to, I think we've gotten every, every school in town now, I think. Hundreds and hundreds of shoes. We've given socks. 
we took socks that we got and, and gave them to um, one of Brian school a couple weeks ago. We're still getting pictures from them, all these kids with their socks. It's really cute. We do that because we love them, right? That's why we do a trunk or treat every year to give people a safe place to come. And I've got, guys, I've gotten flamed by other pastors and other communities, not Lex, because we all kind of work together. But they said, you're participating in Halloween. No, we're loving our community because Jesus loves our community, right? That's why I do these things. That's why we do moms and munchkins, to pour into these moms, to pour into these kids, right? That's why as a church, we do all the benevolence things. That's why we do the, the outreaches, the VBS, all this stuff, the things we do at the trailer courts. Why do we do all this stuff? Is it to get our name out there? No, it's because we love our community. And we love our community because Jesus loves our community. Because Jesus died for every person in this community. He died for the ones who were born here in the U.S. He died for the ones who were born in Somalia and Guatemala and all these places, guys. We love our community. That's why our Spanish church, man, our Spanish church loves people. We do that because we love them. And we build the kingdom because Jesus loves the kingdom, right? Jesus loves the church. He gave his life for the church. That's why we work together with other churches. That's why we do the Thanksgiving service together. That's why I go together and do the Thanksgiving meal here in town for people who don't have anywhere else to go because Jesus loves our community. Jesus loves the church. And so that's one thing that we really value, guys. We value building the kingdom. And we love our neighbors. We love our neighbors because of Jesus. That's individually, not just as a church family, but individually. We have to love our neighbors. Guys, why do you think we do a church softball team? It is fun. But what's another reason? To get out there in the community and show them, hey, Christians can live differently. Right? <laughs> we get competitive sometimes. And I love it. I, I didn't play this year. I, I gave my spot to a younger person. Um, but I love being out there. I love coaching bases sometimes when I, can, when I can be there. I love talking trash with the other players. Like, hey, old man, hey, hey, you know, all that stuff. Why? Because we want to show them that Christians can have fun. We want to show them that Christians love them. That's why we do a church basketball team. That's even more competitive. Oh, my word. Right? But we do it because we want to get out there and we want to love our community. We want to be involved. We want to show people Jesus loves you. And so, guys, that's why we do what we do. That's why our church does everything that it does. It's all because of Jesus. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And if you're physically able this morning, would you stand? We're going to pray together this morning. And this is going to be a really, really simple question this morning. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning. If you say, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm here and I haven't asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I haven't asked Jesus to forgive my sins. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that here in a minute. And also, if you're here and you say, you know what? I just need to make Jesus the center. <laughs> I need to build my life on him. And it's so easy to build my life on me. But I want to make sure that I'm building my life on him. So... Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we thank you so much that you gave your lives for us. And Lord, you gave your life for the church, capital C Church, for all of us who know you. And Lord, we want to make sure that our church family here in Lexington, the Calvary Assembly, is built on you. It's not built on our ideas. It's not built on what culture says is okay right now. It's built on you, and it's built on your word, and it's because of what you've done in our lives 
And so, Lord, we just pray all around this room, all of us watching online, Father, we pray that you would help us to follow you with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength. And Lord, if there are any of us here today who haven't responded to your grace, who haven't asked you to forgive our sins, who haven't started a relationship with you, if there are any of us watching online at home and say, man, God's really pulling on my heart because I, I haven't made that commitment to him. Lord, help us to do that today. And so if you're here this morning, you say, you know, Pastor X, I've never made that commitment. I've never asked Jesus to forgive my sins. And I want to do that today. Would you slip your hand up right where we're at? We just want to pray with you right where you are. All right, we're going to pray together today. And I'm just going to ask you all to pray this prayer with me. All of you at home, would you pray this prayer with me? And this is just you talking to Jesus. And this starts that relationship with him. So everybody say this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your incredible love for me. I can't understand it, but I thank you for it. And I admit that I've made mistakes. I've sinned. Please forgive me. Please come into my life and make me new. Help me to live for you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And guys, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says you're a brand new person. He says he forgives all the old stuff. It's all gone, and we're new. And that's when we start that relationship. And then after that, it's up to us to walk that out. So if you prayed that prayer, if you were watching online, would you contact us and let us know? Uh, or if you're here today and you prayed that prayer, would you catch one of us? We have a gift we want to give you for that. Now, if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, God's really challenging me through this message. I want to make sure my life is built on him. It's built on what he says and not my own ideas. I just want to commit my life to building my life on him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray with us together. We're going to pray, and then the altars are going to open as we do this last couple songs. And if you're here and you say, I need prayer for something, you can come to the front. One of us will meet you up here and pray for you. If you want to just respond to the message and say, God, I want to step out and make this commitment public, you can do that as well. So, Father... I pray for all of us who raised our hands today. Father, we want to build our lives on you. We want to build our church family on you. And Lord, we're here to make disciples. And Lord, we can't do that if we're not discipling ourselves. So Lord, help us to build our lives on you. Not just on our own ideas or on ideas about you, but on you, on a relationship with you. Lord, help us to do that, to build our lives on your foundation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.